Motion, A1 Custom Car Care. All right, good morning and welcome. You've got Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, how is fall treating you? It's not too bad. My no. allergies are kind of kicking my butt. Really? Yes. Uh, I don't guess I've had the pleasure of that recently, but... I'm one of those people that as soon as fall hits, oh. I want to sleep with the windows uh, open. So okay. I've been doing that yep. every morning. I'm always very disappointed that, you know, my nose is running, my <laughs> yeah. eyes are watering. And then I will sleep with the windows open the very mm-hmm. next night. Yeah, so it's worth it, basically, is what <laughs> yes. you're telling me. Like, I want that lower electric bill. Yeah, <laughs> we all need that, don't we? No kidding. The heating bills are going to be coming in here pretty quick. Uh, we are a propane heat family mm-hmm. uh, with a wood supplement, I guess. So spent this weekend uh, processing a little firewood, getting ready for the old winter. Nice. I see some 40s as the lows coming up in the old uh yay yeah that really that is that fall feel i think that everybody mm-hmm. and i'm you know i'm looking forward to it probably more this year than i have in a long time but as well i am continuously trying to be the ant of our grasshopper ant fable that i've been talking about mm-hmm. for whatever reason that seems to be near and dear to my heart and maybe i'm the only one out there but i don't feel like that i think a lot of people um you know, are preparing for winter or the seasons of change, if you will. And I don't know. I'm hearing a lot of spoons. I don't have a persimmon seed as of yet. So I got to bring one of those in, see what we got there. But what's your prediction? Do you think we're going to have the crazy snowpocalypse that everybody... I'm thinking we're going to have some snow. Yeah. I'm thinking. I'm kind of in the same boat. I, uh, I do our snow removal for our stores. Um... You know, we had contracted that out years ago, and you would get somebody that would be great, and we finally did, and he was Johnny on the spot, took care of business, and he did it for several years, and then eventually he's like, hey, I'm pretty much just going to retire. I'm not going to do this anymore, which good for him. Kudos. But afterwards, it just seemed like I couldn't find a dependable person that I could just, like, put it on autopilot, so... We, uh, I've got a pretty good size four wheeler, so invested in the equipment to attach a snow plow to the four wheeler, which everybody probably, and I did as well, by the way, thought, you know, that'll be fun. Yeah, cool. No, it is not fun. <laughs> it's so cold. It's awful. Uh, it does a good job, but I do the snow removal for our stores. Well, we're trying to upgrade this year, so I'm putting together a little bit of a uh, one-ton four-wheel drive or six-wheel drive, I guess technically, um, dump truck with a snow plow on it. So I'm in the midst of kind of rehabbing that, getting the plow working, getting the electrical working before, you know, hence the the ant versus uh, grasshopper here, before the snow hits because I want to make sure that we're as prepared as possible. So trying to take my own medicine here. Um, not wait till the snow is in the forecast before I start getting ready, which is my standard MO. Um, I had a knowledge bomb dropped on me the other day. Sarah, would you like to hear it? I would love to. It's very simple, but it says how you do anything is how you do everything. Okay. And as I heard that, I thought, well, you know, is that, you know, is that BS? Is that something? And... It has really stuck with me as of late for whatever reason. Like anytime I think about shortcutting it or doing something like, oh, I'll just kind of, you know, 
do it to get me by today and then later i gotta fix it and refix it and refix it might as well just fix it right and so i don't know maybe i'm getting old and <laughs> you know putting some of that stuff out there but it just makes a big difference you know the the days that i've been in a big hurry and i buy the cheapest thing and then it you know doesn't work like it's supposed to or breaks immediately I guess I'm learning those lessons and, and going forward, I'm trying to be a better steward of the equipment and kind of the approach of some of the stuff that I rely on, which snow removal, the log splitter, you know, that was really nice. I was able to fire the log splitter up and normally I've got to do a lot of prep work because I neglected it for so long, but it just, uh, I don't know. I feel like it, the more prepared that I am for situations, the less concern that I have to, it's almost like that cheap insurance, if you will. Right. Well, that's a good segue into some of our topics for okay. today's show, which I will mention this to the listeners. We did not talk about what we were going to talk about today before we started the show. We're no, just like, we didn't. We're going to just wing yeah. it. Yep. So last week we talked a lot about fall maintenance mm -hmm. tips kind of things to look for in your vehicle this is going to be kind of a well at least this segment will be kind of a part two to that because we had a lot of listener we, feedback oh really good we did and so unfortunately i wasn't able to get to a lot of it last week because we were jam-packed mm -hmm. with uh vehicle maintenance tips yep. as we move into that fall weather but one of the things that we received as a message is what brand of wiper do you recommend oh, okay. especially as we move into that yeah. fall weather um is there a specific brand that you recommend for oh, the colder for sure. weather for sure have have you shopped for wiper blades lately it's so it's been a couple of months but i think that the wipers that i got i think they were like 16 dollars mm -hmm. per wiper that so you know we're to the point where you know inflation's real mm -hmm. you know where i used to be able to get wipers for under ten dollars a wiper to do a good quality set of wipers it it's it's around 40 to 50 bucks anymore Jeez. and so that's a fantastic question and if you guys have some brands out there you love we would like to hear about it what we stock in the store is a, is a brand called RainGuard. Okay, I've heard of that. We keep those on the shelf. I've run them on a tremendous amount of my personal vehicles. I actually keep at home, um, I stock RainGuard as well for the sizes for Stacy and I's cars and the kids' cars. So, for instance, the other night, uh, Trinity, which is Stacy's oldest daughter, I was out tinkering in the shop when she got off work and so she's like hey i need some wipers i pulled them off the shelf swapped them out right there while she was there because i am a huge snob when it comes to quality of wipers and cleanliness of my windows so rain guard for the money is probably one of the better ones that i like um i have used some of the valvoline conventional wiper blades i did not have good luck with those their contour wiper blades were better but they're more money and they don't do as good a job, in my opinion or experience. Um, I've used some of the Rain-X wiper blades, uh, contour blades. And if you don't know what the contour ones, they kind of look like a, a C, if you will. They're, they're, they're curved to apply more even pressure to the windshield so you don't get those big streaks in there. As well as, this is a side note to wiper blades, if and when you get a new windshield you should absolutely replace the wiper blades same day because the old memory of whatever was in the windshield will scratch the new windshield. So that's kind of a side tip from my dad as a uh, mobile glass guy for years. New windshield, new wipers. Um, but uh, 
Rain Guard's probably my go-to. Rain X is a good one out there. I think Bosch makes some good contour wiper blades out there. Um, you can spend upwards of $70, $80 the more uh, you go up in quality. But the Rain X and uh, Rain Guard have been my two go-to. So fantastic question. Our next question is, well, it's more of a comment, really. So mm-hmm. we were talking about uh, emergency car kits last oh, yeah. week, and we were talking about if you swap out your car kits, especially as you go from spring mm-hmm. and summer to fall and winter, yep. and you kind of remove things here and there. Somebody commented and said that they love the idea of a car kit. Uh, they want one for a new driver. Okay. Is there any specific thing that you recommend is like first and foremost for a new driver for that car care kit? That is an awesome, awesome question. Um, this kind of goes back to, you know, what a lot of your first responders put out there is you can have all the equipment in the world if you don't have the training or the experience. So, and I don't mean to not answer the question, you could have all the gadgets, but you had better know how to use them. So some experience, but a good quality first aid kit would be what I would recommend in there with a tourniquet that a good quality one, not one from overseas, if you can afford it, um, as well as the experience to use it. I know that Walmart has one. It's called Justin Case, mm-hmm. and it comes in like a little case, and it comes with all kinds of different size bandages. It comes with wrap, gauze, oh, wow. all of that stuff. Okay. Um, I think even like scissors, and mm-hmm. it's a really nice little kit. And I think I paid, well, you know, this was back in the day, yeah, before be- inflation. Yeah, that's right. uh, I think I paid like t- 10 or 15 yeah. bucks on yeah. it. I felt like that was reasonable, mm-hmm. and I have used it, uh, you know, just for a, oh, yes. a little cut here and there. But it's always nice to know that whenever I'm going through it, that if I am ever mm-hmm. in a situation where I need to use any of that, I have yeah. it readily available. I love the fact that we've kept first aid kits forever. And even my oldest daughter, Josie, she knows dad will have a first aid kit in the car. So that would be my recommendation along with the training of what to do with it. But Sarah and I do need to step into our first break. We got plenty to talk about. So stick around. We'll be right back. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back, Sarah and Dustin. A1 Custom Car Care. Kind of putting some, uh, I don't know, some some things to think about out there for folks, I suppose. That's right. You also had a listener question, Mm -hmm. and uh, I don't know what any of this means, so you'll be able to probably answer it. They said, if you have a lead-acid battery Mm -hmm. and install a glass mat in, say, an 04 vehicle, can you use a lead-acid later? Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay. So Glad you knew what that meant. Yep. So (laughs) lead-acid is kind of the batteries that everybody's had for ever, long, long time. Um, they do a pretty good job. I mean, it's a, a tried and true technology. Um, the absorbed glass mat or AGM, is that what it was? It was an absorbed glass mat battery or whatever that said. Um, that would be like your Optima batteries, O'Reilly cells. They do a good job. The cool thing about those being an AGM battery is the fact that you can mount them on their side. You can mount them upside down and it won't necessarily affect the battery. What you do need to know about those is the fact that they're very susceptible to rate of charge. And I'm going to I'm going to speak from experience when you're charging a um, discharged battery. Lead acid is much more tolerant to a 5 amp, 10 amp, 20 amp, 
250 amp kind of nuclear charge, if you will. It's a lot of electricity very fast. It quote unquote cooks the battery. AGM batteries will not tolerate that. You do not want to put an AGM battery on a 10 amp, 20 amp. Really most of the manufacturers, at least in my experience, who do AGM batteries want a two amp charge. And if you put more to it, it cooks the cells and it damages the battery. So excellent question. Uh, it's something that I wondered at one point in time before I had some additional schooling and training on it. Usually your charging system has a good enough charge regulator or a voltage regulator that it won't let you hurt the battery. So it'll regulate the amount of charge due to the demand that the electrical system needs. The AGM batteries, you, you'll be fine to go back and forth on them, really not going to hurt anything. They're very expensive, so you want to make sure you know what you're doing. You don't overcharge it and shorten the life expectancy of that battery. Did that make any sense, Sarah, or am I just like way out there no, in crazy it did. land? Well, uh, before I start reading articles okay. for you, is there anything specific that you want to talk about that was going on around the shop? So we did a little bit of a... I don't want to say an open house, but we got all of our folks over for pizza and refreshments at the new shop. Oh, the very night. cool. And I cannot, yeah, I don't want to get like even more excited, but I really <laughs> am more excited. So obviously the structures up there, some of the brick or most of the brickwork's done. They're doing, I think what they call EFIS, which is similar to stucco. They're making the building kind of match our old building. Okay. Um, going really well. The contractor, the general foreman on the job, just rock star folks. Um, the plumbers, electricians. I mean, we've had some amazing trades folks in, in that building. So we got some fans mounted up in the ceiling to kind of at least give somewhat of a climate control or ability to push the heat down in the winter and the, you know, exchange the hot air, hopefully in the summer, as well as uh, some of the lifts are starting to show up. Very cool. Some of the, the walls are all in, the insulation is in, and they're going to start sheetrocking here pretty quick. Um, we are going to, or I'm going to play a role in some of this. We're going to be doing some paint work in there, some texturing, um, we're going to get to do uh, some of the landscaping outside. The parking lot should get started here in the next few weeks. So we're coming down to what I would consider crunch time of being able to offer some more services that we haven't offered in the past. A lot of tire alignment work. People are coming to us all the time because they're not getting... Um, you know, good service at other places. I, I don't know if I've got a time for a short story. Um, got a dear friend of mine. Uh, him and I have been friends for a long, long time. He bought some tires and had them installed, you know, at XYZ. Um, they were big, huge tires that we were not equipped to be able to handle. That situation will be taken care of in the new location with some of our equipment as well. But he went to, I don't know, and I don't want to exaggerate, three to five other shops trying to get his tire pressure monitoring system reset and learn to the truck and he's had frustrations with that for years on various trucks and typically i always have to be the one that brings in or he brings it to me and i get it taken care of for him long story short what i'm what i'm getting at here is sarah you and i've talked about this a lot over the years the real skilled trades folks and mm -hmm. you can fill in the blank with whatever it is 
they're retiring, they're going into different industries for whatever reason, they're maybe starting their own business of, you know, something unrelated to what they've done for years. And I'm so thankful for A1 Custom that they have focused on our people. And a lot of our new, extremely high-talented people came from places that didn't focus on their people. And and to elaborate on that a little bit, you know, we talk about Darren quite often. He's probably as sharp of a technician as I could ever, ever ask to work side by side. I believe a lot of his frustrations is he was working with and for people that were not investing in training. They were not investing in equipment. They were not focused on, you know, making sure that, hey, if you take care of the people, they'll take care of the business that needs to happen. And so it's been a few years back, but Darren came to work with us and has just been fantastic. We recently hired, and Sarah, you probably know how I feel about European import vehicles by Mm -hmm. now. Yes. Um, I don't have to be the one that fixes every car, nor am I, by the way. We have some very talented people. So um, we've got Wayland as a new gentleman you probably need to meet. He's yeah, I don't think I've met him yet. At Sunset, uh, working with Annie. She runs a great shop. I thoroughly enjoy working at that facility. But Wayland's background, he's factory trained in Volkswagen. Mm, Dosado. Mm, Dosado, yes, <laughs> that is correct. Uh, I didn't realize or I didn't remember that commercial. And so Ryan, uh, our Ryan there at the the office pulled up the Dos Auto Volkswagen commercial, and we had a good laugh about that. So if you guys need to break the ice, you might find that one out there on the YouTubes. But he is very heavily trained in European vehicles. So if you have some things that you need taken care of, you need to run that by Annie. So call over there to Sunset. Um, mainly Wayland's who he is is why we you know wanted to get him on board with us the european experience is really just a bonus on 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 wayland he's an absolute awesome person very good technician i got to know him through training and see how he conducted himself what questions he asked i can usually get a pretty good read on somebody of of how they participate or lack thereof in training itself and so he's he's a huge, huge asset. So I realize I kind of give a lot of flack to Dodge owners out there, which I love you, by the way, uh, as well as the European. And really a big part of that is that's not my wheelhouse. Not that I can't do it. I absolutely can and have been very well trained on it. But Wayland likes it. So all that work, Wayland will be taking care of for us. And I'm very proud to talk about that. But Sarah and I are down at the bottom of the hour. You're listening to Springfield's Talk 1041 KSGF. We'll be right back on the other side of the break. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back. Sarah and Dustin, A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, you got some literature over there. I do. I have some printed material, if you will. It's official. Dun, 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 yes. Dun, dun, so dun, I got dun, this dun. really interesting email couple weeks ago from autosinnovate.org. They are an automotive company that does research on your state to find uh, economic insights, Mm -hmm. especially in the automotive industry. All right. This is intriguing. I found it very interesting, kind of nerdy, so I figured you'd probably like this. For (laughs) sure. But you could break it down. By your congressional district. And you could also do it as a state, Hmm. like, you know, as a whole. And so I found all of this information out about 
just different things about the automotive industry within our little area right here in Congressional District 7. Okay. So first off, uh, there are 17,000 total auto jobs in Missouri. 3.9% mm. of Congressional District 7 depends on the automotive industry for jobs. Wow. Yeah. So, That's more than I thought it would be, actually. I thought that this was kind of interesting. We talked about registrations in mm -hmm. this. In our little district, we have 697,500 wow. vehicles registered. That's a lot. It also, it broke it down by body style and powertrain as well. Huh. So cars dominates our area, which I kind of thought was surprising because yeah. I thought, you know, trucks would do that. Would but think. far from it. 30.6% uh, of our area is cars. Mm. Uh, then it's UVs by 32.63%, and then pickups, 28.44%, and then finally uh, minivans, they're just taking 5.6%. <laughs> Nobody likes a van. Right, yeah. So, uh, and if you're going by powertrain, um, the ice slash hybrid mm -hmm. is what nearly dominates 99.67% of the registered vehicles in our area. Electric is 0.19%. Plug-in hybrids, 0.13%, and fuel cell, 0%. Yep. This is something that you will find interesting. And I know this is something, this is actually what caught my eye okay. in all of this, because I thought, you know, we, we talk about vehicle life a lot, and we talk about uh, older vehicles yeah. and how you're seeing a lot more kind mm -hmm. of make their way into the shop. Oh, yeah. People are pulling vehicles that typically set in fields. Mm -hmm. uh, people have retired them, and they're yeah. starting to pull them out of the pasture now. Yep. The Missouri Congressional District 7 average age of a vehicle. Do you want to guess? 14 years. You got it. Oh, I did? You did. 14.2 years. Nice. Now, the national average. 11. It, close. Oh. 12.2. Okay. So there you have it on that. Now, when we talk about new purchases, we which incidentally, I have a story that I want to read to okay. you later in the show about used cars and how they are becoming less affordable mm -hmm. for buyers. Yep. But this specifically relates to new purchases uh, in 2022, 26,500 new vehicles were sold in our district. Huh. Uh, cars, it was a, a little over 4,000 or 15.49%. Then UVs, 50.81%. Pickups, 28.68%. Mm. And then vans and minivans is about 5.02%. I feel bad for the vans. It I seems know. like they're not getting any love out there. You know what? I kind of like me a van. <laughs> <laughs> I really kind of do. I know. So, and this is another thing that's kind of interesting. Fueling stations. Mm. We, <laughs> I've, I've joked about this before, um, about how Springfield... Yes. is like the gas station capital of the world. I could not agree more, yes. Do you want to guess how many gas stations oh are in District no, I, 7? You know, as, as good as I was at guessing previously, I'm not even going to try this one. 401. <laughs> really? That's a lot of gas stations. That is a ton of gas stations. Uh, I'd be curious to see if you if you put the Casey's and the Come and Go's in their own box, I how know. many other options were out there, because I, I doubt there was very right. few. Rapid Roberts, yes. or as my father-in-law calls them, Speedy Bobs. Speedy Bobs? I like that. <laughs> Speedy Bobs. It took me, he, he always calls them Speedy Bobs, and I was like, why do you call it Speedy Bobs one day? He's like, it's Rapid Roberts, so Speedy, Speedy Bobs. Bobs. I'm like, That's oh. That's a good one. Um, but this is something that I found interesting because it also breaks down um, EV stations oh, in our area okay. as well. Well, do tell because I'm very curious about that. So uh, as you probably know, there are different types of 
mm-hmm. charging stations, yep. different types of ports, so on and so forth. So EV level two charging stations, there are 58. EV DC fast charging stations, nine. Wow. EV level two charging ports, there are 153. Mm-hmm. And EV DC fast charging ports, there are 15. Wow. Throughout our district. Definitely uh, more than I would have thought, honestly. But still, you know, I, I don't want to just beat a dead horse. We've talked about this forever. The technology's not there, you know, to be a reliable, you know, commuter. You know, I could see if you lived within, say, 50 miles of work mm-hmm. and you could charge at home. I could see that. Okay. But I need to make a trip once in a while. So I'm going to go for now and probably in the next decade, in my opinion, with an internal combustion engine mm-hmm. to take a trip. Well, and I had the experience to drive an EV, and I think that there are definitely some pros and cons sure. to it. It's it's not all bad, but one thing that I really did struggle with was the infrastructure of mm-hmm. it. And I knew that um, w- whenever you get into your vehicle, you mostly just start it and mm-hmm. check, make sure you have gas, and yeah. you just go, you know? And then if you need gas, you pull over and you get gas right. at a gas station. It's not like that with EVs, Mm -hmm. and it is a constant fear. And also, there is a big discrepancy in uh, how many miles per charge you get. Yeah. And it's a big discrepancy. So you're talking about, like, if you go to charging station XYZ versus fast, high-end charging station. No, so I'm talking about whenever you charge it, it tells you that on on mine, at least, Mm -hmm. it would tell me that I could have, like say, for instance, a maximum uh, mileage of like 100 miles on this Mm -hmm. charge and then a minimum of like 83. Okay. And to me, that is a pretty big discrepancy between the two. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. But a lot of that, I assume, would fall back to how you drive, like how... You know, much acceleration you ask. Exactly. Right out and of the if box. you're going down hills oh, yeah. and That's all that. That's true. If yes. you're running the AC and it's having to keep the pump running, you mm-hmm. know, when you're not moving. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. But it was still kind of terrifying to have that thought mm-hmm. process in the back of your mind yeah. to always think, okay, where is the closest charging station in case I need it? Can mm-hmm. I get home and charge my vehicle? And so on and so forth. Yeah. So, Definitely a a big downfall, Mm -hmm. in my personal opinion, especially living out in the country. I think that if you live in town and you are interested in having an EV or trying one out, I think that you would have a little bit different results. It depends on how you drive. You know what I mean? So it also depends. and, And if you don't mind educating me and all the listeners out there, you know, when I pull up to a gas pump, even, you know, and I typically fill my vehicles up pretty much every time i just it costs the same amount to drive on empty as it does full so i don't understand the folks that only put five and ten bucks at a time in it so when i stop we fill it up Uh, even with a pump that's struggling a little bit you know five minutes or less i'm usually filled up i hit the key and i drive away what's been your experience on time of charging at some of these charging stations. So I never fully set and charged my vehicle the mm-hmm. entire time because it takes a long time. Yeah. So like, I would use... Like a long time, if you don't mind, like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour? Uh, anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour, oh depending gosh. on... I, I got other things to be doing other than sitting there for 20 yep. minutes to an hour. So typically, and I don't know if, if you have noticed this at any of the charging stations... A lot of people will bring 
like pillows with them, they'll take themselves a little nap. What? Mm-hmm. Um, huh. I have the, not noticed that. The last time I had my, my EV and I was charging, I went and got lunch before <laughs> yeah. and I just sat in my car and ate lunch. Yeah, okay. But typically what I would do is I would charge it long enough to make sure that I could get home mm-hmm. and then I would go and charge it. You know, we obviously are, you know, paying attention to the EV market, but Darren, I brought up earlier, I have some other texts that get into it as well. You know, we're doing hybrid service on on certain makes and models as well. And I literally had to, well, I didn't have to, I chose to. We had a lady in Northwest Arkansas call us up. She had a hybrid escape, very nice little escape. And she had been to many shops down there and just couldn't get a clear answer, including the dealers down there, just couldn't get an answer for her. So I was interested. It's, it's, uh, I guess I'm at the time in my career where I've done, you know, the, the run of the mill, I've billion ball joints and brake jobs and all that stuff, which I still enjoy and, and that's fine. But when there's something a little different, it, it intrigues my, mm-hmm. piques my interest. So we made an agreement for the lady said, Hey, you know, this isn't something we're going to do for free, but I was able to pick up the vehicle, bring it in. Darren did a heck of a full evaluation with this vehicle. Um, the lady ended up fixing some of the things, but she's not going to put it back on the road. And here's why this kind of validates a little bit of what I was talking about to get the hybrid system back up and going battery generation, etc., power inverters. It was over $17,000 to get that escape back up and going. And I'm seeing some of these true EV vehicles where the batteries are like $20,000, almost as much as the vehicle itself. And so that's really where I'm drawing a hard line in the sand. It's not that I'm hating on any of that stuff. I I love new stuff. Technology's awesome. It's just that the consumer is the one that's taking the hit on this stuff. And I don't blame the lady for not fixing her escape i hated i had to drag it out of state in order to get her an answer but we did get it back up here we did a full checkout sent it to her she sent it to you know loved ones they're like wow these folks really did a good thorough evaluation so they could make the best informed decision as possible she probably would have let us just put a battery or something in there but then later there would have been this problem and that problem and this problem. I don't want that. I want you to know everything. And then we get in there and we fix it. Or you can make a, a good informed decision that, hey, I'm not sinking $16,000 into this older escape. And that way you're, you know, you have the power. You know, I hate to be the knowledge is power guy, but that's really what it is. That's the role of whoever, whether it's a doctor, attorney, mechanic, plumber, electrician, whatever. If you can give the information to make the best decision, everybody wins. And I strongly, strongly believe that. But Sarah and I need to step into another break. We'll wrap this up in a pretty little bow right after this. Your complete car care solution. A1 Custom Car Care. All right. Welcome back, Sarah Dustin. A1 Custom Car Care. Sarah, you got some literature you promised to talk about uh, something about used car stuff. I did. Okay. Let me find it over here. <clears throat> used cars are now less affordable for buyers. Mm-hmm. 
Shocker, right? Yeah. So affordability issues with used cars have been weighing on consumers already beaten down by inflation and high borrowing costs. CarMax highlighted the issue on Thursday, saying it continued to impact our second quarter unit sales performance as headwinds remained due to widespread inflation pressures, higher interest rates, tightened lending standards, and prolonged low consumer confidence. The used car dealer said that in its quarter... Total retail used vehicles units saw a drop of 7.4% year over year, hitting 200,000 vehicles. CarMax sold uh, a total of 194,318 used cars during that quarter. Uh, They say that's down 5.2% from 204,928 a year ago, uh, while comparable store sales for its used cars fell around 6.5 year over year. So then it goes into, you know, just more details and whatnot. Uh, It says that the average car price, the average used car price, Mm -hmm. I should say, $26,651. So that's a lot of money. The reason I wanted to bring this up is Americans are already struggling with Mm -hmm. inflation every single place every place so what do you recommend for people who are maybe in the used car market maybe they're in a situation where they don't necessarily need a vehicle like right now as they are listening but they know it's it's going to be on the horizon what do you recommend for them patience i cannot stress that enough when you you know try and force something and this is i'm preaching to myself here right now so just bear with me When you try and make something happen and force it, you will regret it, at least in my experience. So, you know, I'll be honest, I wanted or needed a new pickup or a new to me pickup for, I don't know, the last several years, but the market and the right deal just wasn't out there. And I didn't get discouraged. I didn't get to where, you know, uh, the, the, what is it? The fear of missing out. I forget there's FOMO. FOMO. There we go. You know, none of that. Like, all right, so this is the criteria I need. And you guys fill in the blanks out there. You need, you know, um, cargo area. Sarah, I know that one's near and dear to your Mm -hmm. heart. Um, I need towing capacity. I need four wheel drive, you know, towing, um, is a big part of my life. I know that's not a big part of your, you know, everybody's life out there. Maybe it's seats for kids. You know, sometimes you got to have a vehicle that seats six or eight or seven or whatever you fill in the blank there. So figure out what your criteria is and then start doing your homework. You had better know what you're buying before you get out there and buy it. And what I'm specifically mean there is there's a lot of vehicles that are engineered very poor right now that are twenty, thirty thousand dollar used cars, and you buy a problem right out of the gate. Then you have higher insurance, you have your taxes that you had to pay on it, uh, purchasing and property tax, and now you've got repair bills on top of that. So I talk about it a lot that what makes a quote unquote good car is the amount of neglect that it will tolerate. And the vehicles that are being made in the last 15 years will not tolerate being neglected. And I'm not just out here preaching that you got to do your maintenance and you do all this, blah, blah, blah. If you don't, you will be doing repairs. And repairs are much more expensive and unpredictable 
than just sheerly maintaining the vehicle. That's really why I'm such a maintenance fan is because it prevents you from breaking down. Honestly, it's less uh, good for business if you maintain your car than you just drive it till it breaks. But that's not good service in my opinion. So you need to buy usually the second, third, or fourth generation of something. So I do not buy the first year model of whatever. Uh, the LML uh, Duramax that I purchased, that was the last year. So it had three or four evolutions. So, you know, in theory, a lot of the new concept stuff that didn't work out, you know, by the last generation, it's pretty well refined, as well as the things that aren't. There's enough information out there in the world that when something happens on those, the solution has already either been figured out or there's been a, a part improvement or design that fixes a known problem. So really important out there to be patient and, and really focus on what it is you're going to be using whatever the vehicle's for. If it's hauling people, then clearly you need more seats. If it's towing capacity, well, I probably need a diesel with dual rear wheels. And you can fill in the blank to fit your life. But if you're wanting a good value, you had better really do your homework, not FOMO and, you know, fear of, you know, not getting what you want. There's always another dealer car out there, but put in the time. And if you do this and you stick to the plan, you'll have a vehicle that you can drive 10, 15, 20 years, barring somebody hits you or, you know, you know, a God of don't jinx it comes out that <laughs> things happen, but I guarantee the folks that I have gone over this, and I've seen it time and time again, that don't follow the plan. They don't get the pre-purchase inspection done. They just buy the thing that's got cool wheels and a good stereo and tinted windows or whatever the, the things are that, you know, are your cool factors. Um, you will pay the price. And typically, it's very quickly that I see that. It's like, okay, within the first six months, you've put like four grand out of pocket in this vehicle that you're making payments on. Nobody wants to be that guy or that gal. Um, it's tough. Even from a tech or a service advisor, when I see somebody that has spent every dime that they had buying the vehicle, making the down payment, buying it outright, paying the sales tax, getting your tags done, blah, 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 all the extra unthought about expenses well, then something happens and you 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 have to have a discussion about $3,500 that this vehicle needs to be safe or even to move again. That's a tough spot to be in. And I don't like being the bearer of that kind of news. It, it's part of the job. It's part of the gig. Definitely, um, if you can, you know, be informed on the front side. And, and even if, so even if you need $3,500 to that, in most instances, the seller will push or, you know, give you a little room to offset that expense. But if you don't know it and they don't know it, you're going to pay full tilt and not get anything in return. So Pre-purchase inspections. Yes. You've been through that. We're fairly picky on that stuff, wouldn't you? Yep. You I always recommend pre-purchase mm -hmm. inspections. That is one of the smartest things that oh, I've yeah. ever personally done. And now anytime I know somebody who is purchasing a vehicle, I highly recommend it yeah. even if it's not with a one just mm -hmm. doing one yeah. in general can save you literally thousands yes. of dollars yes hopefully you do that pre-purchase inspection with somebody you have some rapport with and what i mean is that you have a relationship with them if you've got a good relationship at a shop i don't want you to come day one 
I want you to stick with that relationship that you've got there. What I have a problem with is folks think that every mechanic shop is created equal. And so they think a lot of the standards that we talk about here on the show, Sarah, they'll see at every shop out there. And I wish, I truly wish that was true, but it's not. The skilled folks and the skilled trades out there, and regardless of what um, you know field we're talking about, they're they're condensing, if you will. So, you know, the folks that have been great owner operators for years, even some of the dealerships that I'm you know familiar with, and I understand, if you don't have a good person running that ship, um, you're not going to get good service out there. And the leadership side of the world right now is it, we're in desperate need of actual folks that are going to step up and do the right thing when it's painful or do the right thing when it's inconvenient or do the right thing when it is at their expense. But that truly is the foundation of leadership, in my opinion. Regardless of what the scenario is, there's a right and a wrong decision. There's an easy and a hard decision. And the weakness of character that is out there right now is really, really showing its ugly head. And finding somebody that's got the guts to stand up and do the hard decision, which typically is the right decision, by the way, is very rare. And anytime I run onto somebody like that, I very much try and keep them as a contact because I can have faith that they're going to give me what I need, even when it's not convenient or it's not pleasant. They're going to put that extra mile out there when nobody else will. But the payoff for that is huge because going forward, when I need to have another business deal with that person or relationship or whatever, I'm going to call them and we're going to do business together because I know the character of that person that when the cards are down and the rubber meets the road, I know and can count on how they're going to react, that they're not going to just fold up like a cheap suit. And that may be a little bit soapboxy. I couldn't help it, Sarah. But that's what the world needs right now, from my humble opinion. Yep. No, I totally agree. Well, we have uh, just a couple of minutes okay. left. And so wanted to give a quick update on some recalls that are mm -hmm. out there. If you own a Ford Super Duty F-250 or an F-350, Ford is recalling 42,000 of those over mechanical issues that can increase a crash risk. Now, they said that they're going to be sending out notifications to truck owners. They are going to mail those out October 16th. And since we don't have a ton of time, I'm not going to go through all of the details, but I will put it up in our podcast section, ksgf.com. Click on the A1 Custom Car Care Show podcast, and then you'll see all of the information on this Ford recall. Also want to announce uh, Kia, they are doing a recall after an issue that could potentially trap people inside of their vehicles. Now they sent out these recalls alerts. I believe it was the end of September, so you should have received one of those. Uh, Kia is recalling their 2016 and 2017 Kia Rios, their 2016, 2017, and 2018 Kia Optimas, and the 2017 and 2018 Kia Optima Hybrid and Optima Plug-in Hybrid Vehicles. So if you own one of those, you should be receiving a recall alert here soon. But like I said, once again, I will get all of that info put up under our podcast section. 
Believe it or not, Dustin, we are out of time, though. That was a quick show today. It really was. If you're out there in Radio Land, you have a question or a comment for us, feel free to text us on our text line. That phone number is 417-447-5743, or you can reach out to us on our social media at 1041KSGF. Dustin, I hope you have a good rest of your weekend. You as well. Be safe. Bye.